Awesome, you look great. If you're watching online this morning, thanks for joining us, whether it's Facebook Live or our website. If you're in the, in the Oakwood Chapel this morning in Overflow, thanks for being with us. If you're out in the concourse, we're just so glad it's a full house this morning. Great to see everyone. Hey, last week, I challenged the men of our church to consider a spiritual growth opportunity called Disciples Made. Um, there are two different classes. The first class is called Followers Made, uh, teaching men how to be followers of Christ. That lasts for six months. The second course, if you want to continue on, is called Leaders Made, and that runs for nine months. Uh, and then oftentimes after that, guys that have been through the course, they want to be leaders leading groups. Uh, men, I, I hope you've had a week to pray about it, think about it, consider it, and that you're ready to, to step into a, a pretty significant growth opportunity. There's a table in our foyer, out these center doors to our left. There are guys that are in the program that would love to answer questions, get you signed up, have you come to an orientation meeting here in a few weeks. But I hope you really consider that for your spiritual growth in life. All right, if you are a college student today, we, we just want to officially welcome you to Central Church. Would you stand this morning if you are a college student, you're back to school. We want to just honor those of you that are here this morning. It's just great to see you. Yeah, we've got folks all over. Welcome back to school. Some of you have been back a while. Some of you are just getting back. Some of you are in sports and other things. But, um, you, you may find a different church to worship at during the course of the school year. That's wonderful. If it's central, that's great. If not, just get connected somewhere. Get connected in a community of believers where your faith can grow and you can continue to encourage people in their faith as well. All right, we are continuing a series called Extraordinary. It's a study in the Sermon on the Mount, which covers Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Take out your Bible this morning if you have one. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to jump in there in just a second. At the beginning of the series, I said that the Sermon on the Mount is sort of like a, a picture that Jesus paints. It's a picture of what it means to be a true follower or a true disciple of Jesus. In fact, it's more than that. It's a, it's a painting of extraordinary character. And one of our, our, our students, one of our young students, Jerzy Oshevsky, has every week faithfully painted a picture that represents one of the Beatitudes. And we, th this represents six Beatitudes. We're going to do the seventh this morning. Um, so if you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read beginning in verse 1. Beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. One day, as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them, saying, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. We've covered six of the Beatitudes. We're going to cover the seventh today. And it's just, we're just going to cover one, and it's verse 9. And it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. 
The seventh beatitude ends this section in the beatitudes that has to do with our character. The next beatitude has to do with handling persecution, the reality of persecution. So the first seven deal with with character. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Equus genus is a category of mammals. The category consists of horses, donkeys, and zebras. Now, zebras are the only group in this category with stripes. A zebra's stripes separate it, distinguish it from being a horse or being a donkey, right? So it's impossible. Now, now zebras don't produce stripes as they grow older. Zebras have stripes when they're born. It's impossible for a zebra not to have stripes. Are you following me this morning? It's not possible for a zebra in this category, equus genus, if they're a zebra, they have stripes. And it's impossible for a Christian not to reflect the character of the Beatitudes. Let me say it again. It's impossible for a, a zebra not to have stripes. Neither is it possible for a Christian to not reflect the character that we see in the Beatitudes. The the rewards for these character qualities in, in the seven Beatitudes confirm that the person they're talking about is already a Christian. In other words, this isn't something that we aspire to, we try to become these things so that we get saved. This is a reflection of what happens when God transforms your heart and begin to, begins to work his character in your lives, is you bear the fruits or the stripes like a zebra of Christ and his character. So we, we read through the, the first six Beatitudes. The poor in spirit have already entered the kingdom of God. It's theirs. Those who mourn over their sin receive Forgiveness or the comfort that comes with forgiveness. They're forgiven. The humble have inherited eternal life. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The merciful have already received God's mercy instead of judgment. The pure in heart know God. The peacemakers are called Children of God, they they reflect the nature of their father as they become peacemakers. So let's stop deceiving people into believing that somehow you can be a Christian and not be poor in spirit, that somehow you can be a Christian and not mourn over your sin, that somehow you can be a Christian and not be humble, that you can be a Christian and not hunger and thirst for righteousness, that you can somehow be a Christian and not be merciful to people, that somehow you can be a Christian and not be morally pure, that somehow you can be a Christian and not value people and relationships. See, the Beatitudes are not suggestions for a better life. They are simply the fruits of a life surrendered to Jesus. 
When you surrender your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your life and begins to transform you, you begin to bear the character qualities of Christ because the Spirit of Jesus lives in you. I don't know how many Christians that say they're Christians or identify with the church, they bear none of those qualities. And somehow we've deceived them into believing that that you can be a Christian just because you have a knowledge of who Jesus is. You, You may even believe that he came to the earth and he died on a cross. But until you yield yourself to his lordship, there is no transformation of life. Paul said, Paul said, when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're saved. There's a lot of deceived people out there calling themselves Christian. They don't bear the, the character of Jesus. These seven beatitudes simply are, are a, a landscape of what the Christian is like. I'm not that smart, I'll be honest. But if you show me a picture of a zebra and a donkey, I can tell the difference. I really can. And when you show someone the picture of a Christian and a non-follower of Christ, you should be able to tell the difference by means of character. Your character should identify you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's don't continue to deceive people into believing that you don't have to be like this and you can still be a Christian. This This is not only the standard that God calls us to, it's the power that he gives us to be like that, amen? To live differently. So Christian friends, wear your stripes well, amen? Wear your stripes. Let them distinguish you from donkeys in the world. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. What is a peacemaker? I want to suggest that a peacemaker is someone who loves people relentlessly. I believe a peacemaker is someone who who makes relationships with people their highest priority in life. In fact, peacemakers see relationships like arteries in their body that carry life-giving blood. And they see, they see their lives as, they see relationships in their lives as the means through which they carry the life-changing message of Jesus. Like blood thro- flows through your body, through arteries, the hope of Christ and the message of Jesus flows through relationships in your life. So peacemakers fight ferociously for their relationships. Because they understand that the difference between spiritual life and death can depend on a relationship. A relationship broken is one less opportunity for you to bring the hope of Christ into that person's life. If that's true, if it's true that relationships in life ought to be valued, people ought to be valued above everything, they are like arteries in which the the, the life-giving blood flows, the life-giving message flows. If that's true... What does Satan want to do with your relationships? He wants to break them off. He wants to clog the arteries. He wants you to walk away from that person that's really rude at work or at school, that you don't like, and they don't know Christ, and you'd rather rather just hang out with your Christian friends. 
Satan wants you offended. He wants you hurt. He wants you repulsed. He wants you to break off that relationship because when that happens, there's one less possibility that that person is going to receive the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. It's no coincidence that our relationships are under attack continually in our lives. Behind the Greek word for peace, which is arene in the Greek language, is the Jewish concept of shalom. Shalom is, is the Hebrew Old Testament word for peace. The, the Hebrew concept of peace in the Old Testament means uh, wholeness or completion or blessedness or health or favor. It's the blessing of God. It's the fullness of God. The shalom was a greeting that meant, may God, when they they'd greet each other, they say shalom. And it meant, may the fullness of God's blessing and who he is be yours. Shalom has to do with this holistic concept of life and blessing and wholeness. In, in Isaiah chapter 57, the prophet says that when the Messiah comes, he was going to preach Shalom, both to Jews and to Gentiles. He was going to preach a, a life-altering message. And what was going to happen was when the Messiah came, who we know is Jesus, when the Messiah came, Shalom was going to be accessible to every person. When Jesus came, that, that opportunity to know God, to have a relationship with God, and to have your life filled with the Shalom of God, that was going to be a possibility. And so Paul, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, takes that Old Testament concept of shalom, and he brings it right into the New Testament. And here's what he says in Ephesians 2. For he himself, he's talking about Jesus, is our, excuse me, is our peace. That's shalom. It's not shalom in the New Testament language. It's shalom in the Old Testament. But Paul is quoting Isaiah 57 in the next verse, where it says, he came and he preached shalom. That's a direct uh, quote from Isaiah 57. So Paul's taking this, this concept of the Messiah in the Old Testament coming to bring shalom right into the New Testament. He says, Jesus himself is our peace. There, there is no shalom. There is no peace in this life apart from Christ. He himself is the only source of peace. Search for it anywhere else in life. You'll never find it. The alcoholic doesn't find it. The drug addict doesn't find it. The sexually addicted, they don't find it unless they find Christ. Christ is shalom in the flesh. He is shalom in, in person. He himself is our peace. He came and he preached shalom to those who are far away. The Gentiles were not part of the Jewish people. And peace, shalom, to those who were near. For through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus Christ is the only source of shalom. And Paul brings that right into the New Testament. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is an ambassador of God's kingdom, a representative of God's kingdom who brings shalom. Friends, I want you to, if you're, if you're going to be a peacemaker, and Jesus says we have those peacemaking qualities in us, love for people, valuing relationships, want to bring the, the gospel hope to people. I want you to see yourself today as an ambassador or representative of, of Jesus Christ, empowered with the shalom of Christ, which you have received when you received the shalom of Jesus, you have that now to give to other people or to represent that to them. 
You are an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now you're starting school, students, when, when you get up in the morning, you've got things you got to do. You got you to get dressed. You got to get your work together. You got to, you know, if you have homework, you got to do all that stuff. And then you got to go to school. Mom and dad, you have responsibilities. You got to go to work, but you got to take care of your kids. You got to make sure they're fed and bathed and all of that stuff. Make sure their homework's done. You go to work and you've got another list of responsibilities. You have duties and responsibilities in your life, right? Say Amen. But you have one that tops all of those. Every morning when you roll out of bed, you need to understand, I am an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a representative of Jesus, carrying the message and the ministry of shalom into the lives of everyone that I come in contact with. That's a duty that God's given me. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy, or 2 Corinthians. He says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us as Christians this task, this duty, this responsibility. When you make out your to-do list for the day, just put that one on there. I'm an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us this task of reconciling people to him or bringing peace between people and God. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says you've been given both a message and a ministry of shalom. Every relationship that you come in contact with, you are to bring, to bring the shalom of Jesus. We're going to talk about what that looks like in just a few minutes. But, but I want you to frame your life in that concept of I am an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, who was the great ambassador of God, who stepped into the world to offer himself on the cross to reconcile or bring peace, to bring peace between people in sin and God, we too are now ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, stepping into the world to seek to bring the hope, the shalom of God into people's life. Jesus stepped out of heaven into the world. You step out of your home, out of your car, into the office, into school, wherever. You step into your world and you're now an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. 24-7, everywhere you go, you are a carrier of shalom. You're a carrier of shalom. And you are to offer that and extend that to people's lives. 1 Peter 3.11 says this. Turn away from evil and do good. Search or seek for peace and work to maintain it. Another version says, um, uh, seek for peace and pursue it. The, the, word, the word actually means like this relentless, diligent, unwilling to give up or quit mindset. Like, like, search, seek for this, and relentlessly maintain it. Don't let it go. Can I just ask, what relationship today in your life have you given up on Th that you're not fighting for anymore? And maybe they were rude and offensive. Maybe, you know, I don't know what they did. Is there a relationship, a broken relationship, a wounded relationship in your life? that you've just said, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm walking the other, I'm not, I'm not going to... Well, we have a responsibility as followers of Christ to be peacemakers. 
Now, there, there are situations when you can do nothing in a relationship because they don't want you to do anything in the relationship. I'm not saying that you just keep sticking your nose in their business if they don't want you in their business. But I'm saying in most relationships in life that we get offended or hurt or whatever and give up on them, God, I think God wants us to relentlessly pursue relationship to be a peacemaker. That's what a peacemaker does. He seeks to bring healing in relationships so that the message of shalom can flow from our lives into theirs. And Satan is working against that. Romans 12, 18 says this, if possible, that means it's possible that it's not possible. It may not happen because you can't control it. But if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. That doesn't mean, you know, peace at all costs. I, I, don't, I don't talk about my faith. I don't talk about the Bible. I don't talk about Scripture and what it, that doesn't mean that. It, it's not like I'm just going to be quiet so I can have peace with this person. God never says that. He says we are to, to speak the truth in love. So you are to let people know your faith. You are to let people know what you believe. You are to let people know what you believe is right and wrong in love and in the right moments. But, but insofar as it's possible with you, if they're not giving up on the relationship, be at peace with them. Fight relentlessly for it. Maintain it so you can bring the, the life-giving message of hope in Christ to them. And verse, uh, Romans 14, 19 says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. In other words, I'm going to relentlessly maintain my relationship so I can bring God's peace. So I'm going to say this one more time. 24-7, if you're a Christian, you're a peacemaker. You don't get a day off. You don't get a relationship off. You don't get a few hours off when you can regress to being the mean person you used to be or the, 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 the non-social person you would want to be. You are now representing Jesus Christ in the world. We'll talk about the fact that Jesus absorbed the pain of rejection. Jesus absorbed the pain of offense. Jesus absorbed the pain of humiliation so that he could die on a cross and offer hope to people. And, and there's times we have to absorb pain in relationships in order to maintain the relationship and bring the hope of Jesus Christ into their life. So what, do, what does a, a peacemaker actually do? Jesus gives us a clue in, in Luke, <clears throat> Luke chapter 6. Let's read a few verses from Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> I love this. I, this is the new, new Living Translation. And I like the way that first sentence is worded. Uh, but to you who are willing to listen, these are Jesus' words. If, if, you're willing to, you know, if you're willing to do this, not going to be easy. It's not going to be natural. Your flesh isn't going to want to go along with it because this is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But if you're willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Love the haters in your life. Love the, the, the rude people. Lo, love the people that, that love to put you down, that love to ridicule you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as what? 
Wait, didn't we just read that in, in Matthew 5, 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, if they will be what? Children of God. So when we act this way in relationships, we are acting like God's kids. I suppose if we don't act that way, we're not acting like God's kids. Remember, you're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're representing Jesus in the world. If you're willing to listen, this is how my kids live. Then your reward will be truly great. You'll be children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked and rude and hurtful. Did you know that hurt people hurt people? The hurt people in your life, they're the ones that want to hurt you. Because hurt people want to hurt people because they've been hurt. Let's put that back up, please. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. This is extraordinary character. This is unnatural character. This is character that's, that's only lived out by the power of the Spirit of God in us because naturally we don't want to live that way. So what does a peacemaker do? Number one, pray for God's shalom. Jesus said pray. He said pray for those who hurt you. Love your enemies. Relentlessly pursue to maintain this relationship so that you can bring the shalom of Jesus into their life. Now, this isn't about us. This isn't about you. This is about someone's eternity. This is about someone's spiritual, emotional, and mental well-being in life. So don't pray, Lord, show them how much they've hurt me. This is not about you. Lord, show them how they're wrong. No, this isn't about you. Show them the error of their ways. Lord, would you please reveal to them their wickedness and their meanness? I don't think that's what Jesus is asking us to pray. Pray, Lord, show them their need for your shalom. Show them their need for your love and your grace and your forgiveness in their life. I have a saying that I use I haven't said it as much lately, but it's this. When God called me, he had someone else in mind. When God called me to himself, when God called me into a relationship with him, when God called me to salvation, it didn't end with me. There were other people God had in mind, the people in my relational world. When God called you, he had someone else in mind. And some of them may not be very nice. Some of them may be kind of rude. I... Think about before you became a Christian, that there are some people that are just kind of naturally nice, right? I, I wasn't like that. Like before I became a Christian, I could be kind of mean to people, rude, arrogant, sarcastic, making fun of people. I mean, I, be, before we, we come to Christ, we're different people. But after we come to Christ, there's supposed to be a change. When, when God called me to himself, I, I laid down my life. I, I laid down my hurts. And I said, Lord, it's about, it's about your mission. And there's people in your life that before they get saved, good luck, 
They, they may not be very nice. It's the Spirit of Christ that changes people. It's the Spirit of Jesus that, that, that makes them the things that we, that we like being around. Now, some people are just naturally nice. I, I wasn't necessarily like that. How about this prayer? Lord, let your shalom flow through my life and influence this person. Let your, let your favor, your blessing, your love, your good, let it flow through my life and impact this person's life. Their, their gain is worth my pain. How about this prayer? Jesus, help me get over myself. Help me get over my own hurt. Help me, help me get over this offense so that I can continue to share with this person how deeply you love them and how rich is your forgiveness in life. Fight for this relationship in prayer. Be an ambassador of Jesus. Psalm 29.11 says this, and we're going to need it. The Lord gives strength to his people. Amen? The Lord blesses his people with shalom. Number two, speak God's shalom. Speak God's shalom. Verse 28, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Don't respond to people's negative words with negative words. Don't, don't, don't curse others, but instead bless them. Now think about how hard that is for a minute. Think about how hard it is when somebody is really rude to you, maybe your husband or wife, maybe your children, to not respond in like manner, to, to not respond with words that are like that. I mean, I mean, we are to respond in every relationship, not just with unsafe people. We are to not curse those that speak rudely to us, but we are to bless. Our words are to, are to share shalom with people. We are to be carriers and ministers and ambassadors of shalom with people. D. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a commentary just on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, peacemakers know when to shut up. They know when to close their mouth. And one of those times is when you're angry. When you're angry, you need to shut the pie hole and take a few minutes and not say anything because angry words hurt people. So take a minute and say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not speaking right now, whether it's to my husband or wife, my kids or friend or whoever it is. I, I'm zipping it right now. I'm not going to speak. Because, because right now, if I do speak, it's going to be hurtful. I like that he said that we need to know when to speak and when not to speak. Peacemakers, here's what James says in James 1, 18 and 19. Everyone must be quick to hear, listen, but slow to speak and slow to get angry because man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. If you're angry, man, your words are going to be angry because your words, you, you speak what's in your heart. And if there's anger in your heart, if there's hate in your heart, if there's hurt in your heart, that's what's going to come out. So peacemakers know when to not speak or to only speak those words that give life, those words that give shalom and blessing to people. And the third thing is, uh, give God's shalom. Give God's shalom. Verse 27, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. You, you can't control how people treat you but you can't control how you treat them. They can be rude and harsh and mean and disrespectful, but you're to be good. You can, you can always choose goodness toward people. Ambassadors in foreign countries are hospitable. They, they will have dignitaries to the embassy or, or to other places, and they will feed them a, a really nice meal. When they meet uh, 
dignitaries of the other nation, they'll bring gifts. They're constantly offering gifts that will be a blessing. And, and our behavior needs to be a blessing to people in our relational world. So as I close this morning, let me ask this question. What relationship in your life is broken or wounded that you need to fight for? That you need to seek to maintain it so that you can bring God's love and God's shalom into that relationship. The world says, I'm done with you. God says, be an ambassador for me. Second question is, how could you bring the love and the shalom of Jesus into someone in your relational world this week? Maybe it's someone that hasn't been nice to you. How can you respond like Jesus if you're willing to listen, to be his ambassador, a carrier of the shalom, the wholeness, the, the life of Jesus? How can you carry that into a relationship this week? Pray this week about who that person might be, that you can, you can keep the artery from being clogged and sick, open it up so that the life of Christ can flow through you. Let's pray. God. This morning, we need this message. We, we need the encouragement to represent you well in the world. We need the encouragement this morning to fight relentlessly for relationships and to see that we are the, the means through which your shalom will come into people's lives. Help us, Lord, to be intentional this week about representing you well. In Christ's name, amen. You stand with me this morning. As you're dismissed, men, you can get by the table to find out about disciples made. Second thing is, if you need prayer this morning, maybe you need someone to pray with you to fight for a relationship. Come on down. We'll have people up here to pray. Third thing is, this is the weekend we're receiving a benevolent offering. It goes to help people in our church and outside of our church that need financial help. Anything at the doors as you exit uh, that you could put into there would be greatly appreciated. Go and be a peacemaker this week. God bless you.